0: time since we've been together oh were you not able to hear me sorry <laughs> you know I did a lot better at voice projection when my kids were little <laughs> they really give you a reason to belt it out but now that they're gone I wouldn't think of yelling at my grandkids <laughs> <So. sighs> all right let's pray Father, we come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Father, we want to thank you for gathering us together again, Lord, for um, just this year of study where we will look at who you are. And I pray, Father, that this study would so impact our lives, that you would speak to our hearts of who you are and how you love us and what you do for us, and that, Father, we would just come away in awe at your presence, at your person. And so, Father, just open your word to us, Lord. Speak to us through uh, the study this year in a powerful way. And we give you our time now and ask that your spirit would come and just minister to each of us that which we need. And we give our evening to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this year, as you know, we're going to study the attributes of God. and our theme scripture, we took from 1 Corinthians 17, verse 20. It says, O Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we've heard from our ears. And David wrote these words. It was in response to his wanting to build a house for God. And God saying, no, you know, you can't do that. You've been a man of war. Your son will build it. But let me tell you what. I'm going to build you a house, an enduring house. In fact, the Messiah will come through your line. And David, as he heard the promises that God was making him, he just was overcome, overwhelmed. And, oh, Lord, there's none like you. There's no God besides you. And, you know, the promises that God has made to every one of us, promises of eternal life, promises that he will never leave us, never forsake us, promises that he will be that anchor for our soul. No matter what we go through, he'll be with us, he'll guide us, he'll direct us. I mean, what can we say? But there's none like you. There is no one in your life that will love you like God does. No one that is going to be with you. You know, as much as I love my family, sometimes I'm going through something and nobody answers their phone. (laughs) But God is always available. God knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan. He has a purpose. There's none like him in my life. Just as David said, we're going to come away with this study saying Lord, there is none like you. And, you know, David had a magnificent concept of God. He had great thoughts of God. You know why? Because he contemplated who God was. He gave time to think about it. Sometimes we're so rushed through our day, we do our little one minute with Jesus, and now let me go, I got to get my stuff done. And, you know, those devotionals really drive me crazy in the bookstore. One minute with Jesus, really? You think you're going to get through the day on that? I don't think so. Um, David did not come to this conclusion on one minute a day. And uh, what David did is he just invited God in to every area of his life. You know, he didn't have, you know, his church life, his work life, his social life, his... It was all one, and God was a part of all of it. And that's what he wants to be for us. You know, he wants to be invited into everything. And so we're going to take this year to focus on who God is, his nature, his being, his character. Uh, as I was preparing the study, I was thinking about a time when my kids were young, and we had just moved to a new house and dropped them off at school and went out to breakfast, and, you know, it was just such a nice morning. We went to a place we'd love to go eat, and we're sitting there having breakfast, and uh, my husband looks across the table and says, well, um, I got let go from work. And I'm like, you what? And I'm like spitting my coffee out. I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing here? Why are we spending money on breakfast? And, I mean, just panic, sheer panic took over. And I just felt like, Man, the the bottom just dropped out. We had just moved to a new house. Our mortgage doubled. And you lost what? And I'm thinking, God, why'd you let us move here? And um, when things like this happen, Satan's there to say to you, he's just going to whisper in your ear, or maybe he's shouting into your face, where's God now? God doesn't love you. Look what happened. Um, Maybe God's punishing you. And he's going to slander God to your face. Um, And he wants to erode away at your faith. He wants to um, take away the knowledge that you have of God um, so that you lose hope. And you know what happens then? Your circumstance gets really big. And your view of God gets really small. And we need to know who God is, that we don't ever let Satan belittle him in our eyes. No matter what my circumstance is, God doesn't change. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, you can always trust an unknown future to a known God. And she knew about that. She endured the Nazi concentration camps. Her future became very unknown, unclear. But she knew her God. She knew God was with her. God was for her. God would work on her behalf. In fact, there was a situation where they had a Bible in their barracks in that room, in the concentration camp, and they were praying, Lord, please don't let them take this from us. And they had lice so bad in there, nobody would go in and check. And so they praised God for the lice. It was an answer to prayer. I mean, that seems extreme, right? But look at how faithful God uses the natural in a very unnatural way. And that's what he did for her, and she knew her God. And so that's the key, ladies, to getting through life. We need to know our God. We need to know his character, his nature. And when that happened to me, I had to just remind myself, wait a minute, take a minute, take a breath. Remember, God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He still has a plan. He has a purpose. And um, when those things happen, I have to remember, God is my safety net. He's my strength. He's my hope. He's the anchor of my soul. He's my refuge. He's a very present help in trouble. Whatever you're going through, you have to count on what God has revealed of himself in his word. So no matter what you're going through, whether it's a health-related issue, a financial hardship, emotional stress, maybe it's a relationship that's raveling, coming apart, or the loss of someone dear— Those things, as hard as they are, do not change who God is. We're going to experience things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. Your faith will overcome the world. So we've got to build ourselves up on that most holy faith, trusting in God, knowing who God is. So we're going to get into that through this year. We're going to study the attributes of God. Um, we're going to look at tonight the revelation of his attributes and our reaction to those attributes. Um, so I just want to start out with the definition of an attribute. An attribute is an inherent characteristic. That means it belongs to the basic nature. It is a word ascribing a quality. So the attributes of God are the qualities that we attribute to the divine Nature. And no one attribute can adequately describe God. Yet God is not divided up into His love, His mercy, His grace. He is all of those things. All of His attributes are unchanging and without limit because God does not change. His love does not change. His mercy does not change. His knowledge does not change. God knows all things. He doesn't learn knowledge because knowledge is a part of his nature. We grow in knowledge. We learn things. God does not. He, he knows all things. God is all of his attributes all of the time. And all of his attributes, they work together. You know, sometimes we think, well, gosh, his wrath and his love, how, how does that work? You know, because those things really are conflicting in us. You know, we may have some different aspects of our character. I'm loving, uh, but I do have this anger. And and let me tell you, the anger takes over and the love is gone. But that doesn't happen with God. We can't say God is partly love and he's uh, partly justice. God is all love. He is all justice. It all works together. He is all of his attributes all of the time. In regard to sin, what his holiness demanded in judgment of sin, his love has provided in Jesus Christ being the propitiation for that sin. You see, his attributes don't come in conflict. They complement each other. They work together. And God doesn't experience emotion the way we do. You know, because we get uh, emotional about a situation And no matter how I have planned to represent myself or deal with an issue, when those emotions get uh, overwhelming, all my plans are out the window, and I'm just going on pure emotion, and I say and do whatever those emotions dictate at the moment. And um, God doesn't do that. God does have passion, but that passion never overwhelms him or controls him. He's never incapacitated or weakened by any event or emotion. He's completely self-controlled. He's self-contained. All that he does is in accordance with his will and his purpose. Very unlike us. We purpose things and, well, oops, didn't happen. (laughs) I didn't get to it. God, everything God purposes he performs. Uh, And so uh, we're going to look at the the attributes in two categories. They really um, present themselves that way. There are the natural or incommunicable attributes. And these are the attributes that belong to God alone. They are not imparted to the believer. And in that category of the attributes we're going to study, because there's way more than we could go through this year. So we picked out the ones that we felt would be um, good to go over. And I'm sure you're going to say, why didn't they go over? (laughs) And we will probably say that too. Um, But we're going to go over God as creator. And this is that God alone creates out of nothing. Men are creative, but they, they need something to start with, right? God creates out of nothing. God is omnipotent. That means that God is all-powerful. Power belongs to God. He has all power to carry out every purpose of his. He is omnipresent. That means he is present everywhere at all times. There isn't a place on earth that God doesn't know what's going on. He's everywhere present. He's omniscient. This means God's all-knowing. He has all-knowledge past, present, and future. And that's such a comfort to us because when I come to God with an issue, he knows everything about it, how it began, how it started, how to fix it, what it'll be like in the future for me. And he can guide me through it. He is all-knowing. He is immutable That's another way of saying he's unchanging. I think this is one of my favorite attributes of God. He does not change. The scriptures refer to him as a rock. He is solid. He's secure. He is steadfast. He's sure. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to change. And, you know, so many times you get into a relationship with somebody and they change. They're, They're no longer the sweet, nice person they used to be. But that never happens with God. He never changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the triune God. This is one God manifested in three persons. So we're going to study uh, the unity of um, the Godhead. Um, He is sovereign. This means that God reigns supreme over all things, God is in control. You know, and it's a good thing to know that because as we look at our nation, it is out of control. It is spiraling down. I'm afraid to turn the TV on. I'm scared to death of November 8th. Um, But God's on the throne. He's not biting his nails. He's sovereign. His purpose will come to pass. He has a plan, and he's going to uh, bring that to pass. God is eternal. This means God is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is self-existent. God's wrath. Now you're going to say, well, wait a minute. Man has wrath. Oh, yeah, we do. But it is way different from the wrath of God. God's wrath is his anger against sin and evil. And it manifests itself in judgment to come. You know, you look in the book of Revelation, and God pours out his wrath on rebellious man, full measure. When you think about the wrath of God, think about this. Jesus' death on the cross. God determined what the punishment would be. It was predetermined by God. Jesus suffered the wrath of God, what he went through. And if Jesus suffered that for us, What will be the wrath poured out on all those that reject Jesus? Full strength, full measure. I don't want to know. But we're going to study that. (laughs) Um, And then we're going to look at some of the moral or or communicable attributes um, that are possessed by God but also imparted to the believer. So these are the aspects of his attributes that he wants us to uh, partake of and emulate, and he wants to see them lived out in our lives. And we're going to look at his wisdom. God is infinitely wise, and he, he possesses perfect wisdom. And so when we have an issue and we need wisdom, the Bible says, come, seek it from God. He will give liberally. We need his wisdom for our everyday lives. We're going to look at his holiness. And this is that God is absolutely pure and separate from all that is unclean. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Completely pure. And what does he say for those that come into relationship with him? Be holy for I am holy. He wants to impart holiness into your life. Set you apart for him. His righteousness, that's the quality of being right Or just. And God wants us to live uh, a right life. He wants us to practice justice with those around us. God's faithfulness, God will always be true to his nature. He always keeps his word. There is not one thing that he has said, one promise that he will not keep. God keeps his word without fail. He is faithful. We have all been in a relationship with someone who is unfaithful. Maybe they betrayed a confidence. Maybe they uh, hurt us and there was treachery. And it hurts to the core. God will never be unfaithful. Every promise, every word that he speaks to you, he will keep. When he says, I will be with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can count on that. That's his word. His mercy. This is God's desire to pity and help the needy, giving sinners less than they deserve. You know, God's nature is to want to bless. So many times uh, we want to think of God or we do think of him as being uh, ready to pounce on us for, you know, like, oh, you did something wrong and you just think God's going to hit you over the head. That's not his nature. God wants to be merciful. God wants to be gracious. What do we read in the Bible? His mercies are new every morning. My my mercies are real stale the next day. God's are new. He has new mercy for you every day. He wants to bless you. He wants to be benevolent. He wants to be good. God's grace is his undeserved favor it cannot be earned there's nothing you and i could do to earn god's favor god gives it freely it's his grace and he wants us to receive his grace and give out his grace we are to be graceful with one another his goodness means god's kind-hearted benevolent desiring to bestow good will god is perfectly good God is good to the just and the unjust. Did you know that? His goodness abides forever. God wants to be good to his people. So many times, like I said, Satan just taints our view, and we think God's out to get us. God loves you. He wants to build you up, encourage you, pour out his love, his grace, his mercy. He wants you to be overflowing with these things. God is love, and that describes his nature. He's selfless, sacrificial. He's unconditional in his love. It is passion in its purest form, and he demonstrates that love on the cross. And God wants to see each one of us be a vessel for that love as he pours it into us that we would then give it out. His justice. God is just. He's morally equal. And he judges all things by his righteous standard. And we can always expect justice from God. Patience. This is God's long suffering or his being slow to anger. God's not willing that any should perish. He's willing to wait a time. Look at the flood of Noah. He waited a long time while Noah built the ark. And he waited for the people to repent. But his patience comes to an end and his wrath will begin. And that's what happened in the days of Noah. But God is patient. And he wants us to have patience for others as we're seeking and waiting for them to come to Christ as well. And so those particular attributes are imparted to the believer. Second Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So God wants his children to be partakers of his divine nature. You know, apart from his spirit, not going to happen. But when you're born again and God's spirit lives in you, he enables you to partake of this divine nature, these qualities, he will make a part of your life, a part of your character. You know, he is constantly working in us he's created us as a new creation and day by day he's changing us as we spend time with him little by little he's changing us to the image of christ so that those divine qualities become more and more a part of who we are changing us from the inside out and so god's attributes the things that we can learn about him all of these qualities they're found in the scriptures You cannot learn about God's character or his qualities from any other source because God hasn't given us any other way uh, to find out about him, to know him, but through the scriptures. And so we've got to be... Uh, students of the word deuteronomy twenty-nine twenty-nine says the secret things belong to the lord our god but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we we may do all the words of this law so the things that god has revealed about himself in the word of god they belong to us everything that he wants you to know about himself is in the word of god and he will reveal it by his Holy Spirit as you spend time and you seek him. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for re- reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture inspired by him so we might know him. You see, you and I, we were created for relationship with God. God set Adam and Eve in the garden for what? That he might have communion with them. Now, when they sinned, that communion was broken. And what did God do? He sacrificed an animal to cover that sin and to make things right with them. And he promised that Jesus would come so that we could all be in right relationship with God. And this is what we were made for, to know him. And so he's given us the scripture. Psalms 119, 130 says, The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. As we get into the word, it's going to shed light on God's nature, on God's character. And as we study the scriptures and go through the booklet this year, We have to be careful that we're not just learning information about God. You don't just look up the scriptures, write the answer, pray about it. Go to God, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to know what you're like. And so we want the things that we learn about God this year to be personal. We want it to change our relationship with God. We want it to be powerful. We want it to have an effect upon us. We want it to be practical. We want it to change the way we live, the way we interact, the way we conduct ourselves. And we were only going to scratch the surface. God is immense, He's huge. What we can know about Him is so small, but it's so powerful. So powerful. what did Job say in Job twenty six fourteen? He said, indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. What a small whisper we hear of him. Just, we only get to know a little bit, and yet that little bit is just so powerful and life-changing. You know, think about when you came to Christ and you realized he died for your sins. How powerful was the love of God in your life? It's powerful. Everything we learn about him this year is going to be powerful. And so we know about him. We're going to learn. It's going to be a little bit. But you know what promise we have? One day, we're going to see him face to face. We are going to know him as we are known. So our scope of understanding is going to be opened in heaven when we see him in glory. But until then, let's make knowing God our passion. Let's be committed to it this year to get into the studies and really glean and learn who our God is. Psalm 30, uh, 63, one says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Are you thirsting? for God tonight to know a little more about him than you did yesterday. Job 22:21 says, "Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace; thereby good will come to you." Acquaint yourself with him. That means be familiar, know him intimately. That's what we want to do this year. Jeremiah 29:23 through 24 says, "Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So he says, don't glory in anything about yourself, what you've attained, what you are, What you have, glory in this, that you understand and know God. Glory in the Lord. Give glory to God. So he says here that that we are to understand and know him. That word understand means give attention to, consider, ponder, be prudent, have insight, have comprehension. You know, think about it. When you're studying for a test, you just really are trying to soak up all that material, right? You're trying to understand it. You're giving your attention to it. You're, you're giving it consideration. That's how I want to approach the scriptures in coming to know my God. I want to understand what he's like, what his character is. And he says to know, to know that we know God. That means to learn to know, to perceive find out, discern, discriminate, distinguish, to know by experience. We want to know God by experience. We all have experienced uh, knowing God at salvation. And just build on that. Every, you know, as we go through life, we experience God uh, working in our life, working in us and through us and changing us, molding us, comforting us, strengthening us, giving us peace. We know him by experience and little by little we're changed by him. We want to know him. And then he brings up his attributes, understands and knows me. And what does he talk about? That he is the Lord. He is the covenant God. He's made a covenant with us to love us, protect us, um, to be with us. Provide for us. He brings up his loving kindness because God exercises loving kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness. With loving kindness, we are drawn to God. Jeremiah 31 3 tells us. Psalms 36 uh, 7 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. We trust him because he's been uh, kind and bestowed upon us that loving kindness. He speaks of his judgment. God exercises judgment in the earth. He's the just judge. And he will bring every work into judgment, every secret thing. He will judge the living and the dead, every, every wrong. God will make right. He will always be just in every dealing with us. There's no injustice with God. Psalm 89.14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In Deuteronomy 32.4, he says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. He is a God of truth and without injustice. Righteousness, Righteous and upright is he. When I look at our justice system, it just appears to me like it is up for sale. Not God. His justice is true justice. He will always act in a right and just way. And I can be so um, confident in every dealing that God will be just with me. God says in Hosea 4, 6, that his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let that not be said of us. Let us pursue the knowledge of God. Because if we do not know our God, it will be to our destruction. We go through life, we're going to be destroyed. Did you know that the enemy is out to get you? He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour He's going to try to take you down. If you do not know the character of your God, you're open to his destruction. If you do not know God, you will not trust him, serve him, or know how to worship him. And so I want to look at our reactions as we come to know God's attributes, his character, his nature. Um, What does it do for us? how do we react? How do we respond? Psalms 910 tells us that it produces trust. Those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know the name of God, they know who God is, they put their trust in him because he has shown himself trustworthy. He is faithful Everything he has said, he will do. He keeps his word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to not lean on our trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our path. I cannot do that if I do not know my God. I will lean on my own understanding. Even when I know God, it's real hard not to do that. But as I... Know God more and more I am able to trust Him on a deeper level. Produces strength. If I know God, I know his character produces strength within me. Daniel eleven thirty two says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I love that. The people that know their God will be strong. And, you know, I I think about Ruth Hernandez battling cancer for the third time. Her body is not strong, but her faith in God is strong. She is strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because she knows her God. She's invested in knowing her God year after year ladies we don't know what tomorrow holds you may need some strength and if you don't invest in the knowledge of god you may not have it get to know your god that as you know him you will have his strength you know paul came to god and, and he had an infirmity lord take this away from me this this um you know this thorn in his flesh it was making him weak He says, okay, God, just take it away. And God says, no, I'm not going to take it away because uh, in your weakness, my strength comes through. I will make you strong. And when we are weak, ladies, no matter what has caused that weakness, we find strength in God. But you will not go to God and be filled by God if you do not know him and you do not trust him. He wants to... um, fill us and and give us that strength. The outward man is going to perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. As I get to know who my God is, it strengthens me in the inner person. And when the situations of my life go sideways, I have an inner strength that I can draw from. It also produces worship. Psalm 34, listen to what David says in verse 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David knew his God, and and to magnify and glorify him was the passion of his life. You go through the Psalms. You know, David just was a songwriter. He poured out praise and worship to God and gave us tools that we could then worship God with. Um, Isaiah 25, one, Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Knowing God, I mean, how can you not learn? about how magnificent and awesome and wonderful God is and not want to worship him. It's natural. When you know God, it's natural to put your trust in him. When you know God, it's natural to find strength in him. When you know God, it's natural to worship him. It also produces obedience. Those who know their God, follow him. John ten fourteen, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. And in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We follow him. We walk in his ways. First John 2, 3 says, now by this, we know that we know him. How can you tell if you know God, truly know him? We keep his commandments. We do the things he requires of us. And I love David because he's such a, a perfect example in all of this because the knowledge of God had a profound effect upon his life. In Scripture, David's given to us as a man after God's own heart. And David was a man who had great thoughts of God. He meditated on the word of God. Day and night. That's what we're told to do in Psalm 1. Meditate on him day and night. Allow the Word of God to be our delight. Delight in getting to know who God is. You know, I can just see David out in the sheep fields, taking care of the sheep, looking at all he does for the sheep and pondering and thinking about who God is. And he says, Lord, you are my shepherd. I will not lack anything good. You'll provide for me everything that I need. You're going to lead me in the right way, in a path of righteousness. When I've fallen, you're going to restore my soul. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. I'm confident. You're going to get me through to the end. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in your house forever you know he just i think he just thought those thoughts and thought about it while he was out there in the fields and he trusted god with all of his life you know when he came up against goliath he had an amazing confidence in god he knew his god and when da- when goliath insulted god david took it personally why because he had a personal relationship with God. You insult my God, you insult me. He took it personal. And he had confidence that he could go against this warrior and defeat him. There is not one man in that Israelite army that was willing to put his life on the line. And David was a young man at the time. He had a great reverence for God. You remember a time when Saul, his enemy, was in the cave with him? His men see Saul there resting, and they said, Oh, David, let me throw a spear at him. It won't have to do it again. One time, one strike, he's done. And David says, I cannot do this wickedness. This is the Lord's anointed. It's not my place. And he had a reverence for God, and he held his men back. He would not hurt Saul. He had a passion for God. He had a passion for the word of God. Where do you go in the scriptures when you need comfort? You go to the Psalms. Many of them David wrote because David knew the consolation of God. David's life was hard. He was run all through the countryside. He was slandered to the people. God promised him a kingdom, but it took a long time to get there. And yet he trusted God and he found comfort in God he knew God's character he knew when God promised him something God was going to come through and even when David fell into gross sin when he sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet came to him and confronted him with that sin he understood and he knew God's forgiveness he knew Uh, and had confidence that God would forgive him and restore him and renew his heart. He understood the tender mercies of God. You see, every area of his life, God is magnified, even when he fails. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. And that's what David did. He inserted God in every detail. Job understood the same principle. He says in Job thirteen fifteen, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand this horrible trial, but I trust God. I know that God is able to work all things for the good. This is what Joseph knew when his brothers sold him into slavery, um, and they were treated him in an evil manner. He he knew his god his circumstances had changed he lost his family everything that was familiar everything that he loved was gone he went to a country where he didn't know the language didn't know the people he went there as a slave he lost his freedom his circumstance had changed for the worse and yet what is he able to say to his brother in Genesis 15:50:20, "But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day, to save many people alive. His circumstance had changed, his God had not. He kept his eyes on God. He knew God was faithful. God was good. God would able to bring something good out of it. And those who know God, they want more. They're not satisfied. With the knowledge they have, they want to know more. And this makes me think of Moses when he was up on the mountain with God. And God was going to wipe the people out. And Moses prayed, oh, Lord, these are your people. Don't wipe them out. He says, if you don't go with us to the promised land, we don't want to go. And God said, you know, I've I've listened. I've listened to you. You found favor in my sight. And Moses says, you know what, God? I have a... I want something from you. Uh, I want a, revel, a revelation. And he says in Exodus 33, 18 through 23, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord God. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see my face and live. There is a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. When I take my hand away, you shall see my back, but my face cannot be seen. And then he goes on to say in Exodus 34, verse 5, Now the Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste, and he bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. Now, I love this. Because Moses knew God in a very personal way. God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. He had a very privileged relationship. And what does he want from God? He wants more. Show me more of who you are. Show me your glory. I want to know you. I want to know more about you. And God says, here's a place by me. You're never going to know more of God if you not come to that place by him. Finding that time and that place to be alone with him, that he might minister to you. And Moses stood in that place. And as he did, what did God reveal to Moses? His attributes. He shared his nature and his character to Moses. And you know what, ladies? It's my desire that every one of us, as we go through this study this year, have a Moses moment. I want to find that place by God. I want you to find that place by God and have God reveal to you his glory in his nature in his attributes. And like Moses, as God reveals to us in a deeper way who he is, our response should be worship. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we want to thank you that you make yourself so available. Lord, as we seek you like Moses this year, Show us your glory. Help every one of us to find that place by you where we're alone, where you can speak to us. Please reveal who you are, your goodness, your attributes. Cause us to know them. And, Lord, we want to trust you. We want to worship you, and we want to walk in obedience to all you've called us to do. We don't want to miss out on anything that you would want to do in us and through us. So please show us your glory this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.